Hello and welcome again to the Tea Room Talks podcast, the podcast breaking the stigma. I hope you're all good. This week we're going to be talking about the topic of competition. Now, competition is something that exists in most industries. Naturally, prices, customers, social media, it's something that you try and improve and you try and strive for to win customers to get more clients through the door to improve your business and naturally it comes with a very low level of competition to try and improve your services to attract that extra clientele. Now we're going to be talking to Ryan Owens, cyclist for Team GB, recent Olympic silver medalist. Now his industry alone is within the sports industry, professional sports industry and it is based solely around competition. Naturally, you've got to perform well to to get results and to get where you want to be. We're going to be talking to him about Olympic life and how he found it and competition, how he found and managed to balance stress, how hard it is getting to where you want to be in life and the road that it takes you on. And we'll also look into the hard years of where he was previously rejected in many areas when he was cycling from a young age. And on the final topic, we discuss social media and media in general and the impact it can have on your mental health, your outlook on life and what it can really do and how it can affect you in your career and moving forward past that. Let's have a listen to the chat that I had with Ryan. So I'm joined by Ryan Owens, Olympic silver medalist, MBA candidate at London Business School. Ryan, thank you so much for being here. Ah, it's a pleasure, mate. It's good to good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. It's good to catch up. Um, so let's talk mental health. Everyone yeah. is obviously aware of my problems. Let's discuss yourself. Have you ever struggled in the past? I think for me, it's uh, it's, it's life's experience is never completely straightforward, and I've had my moments where you know I've really appreciated the facts and need that you of having the support around you and the difference that that can make at different points in time. Um, I would say I'm fortunate in that I don't think I've ever been in like a really, really, really difficult place, but I've had really, really difficult moments and um, navigating those moments has taught me quite a lot about how to ensure that for me, I've got the best system and support around me to to ensure that, that I'm prepared for them when they, when they come and, and that when things do seem like they're all going fine, I'm making sure that I'm doing everything possible to stay to stay in that good headspace as well yeah and certainly you know with your background being in a sort of competitive industry fantastic Mm -hmm. achievements as i always tell you and we've discussed before we even started this but you know it must be tough in that environment in regards to balancing your mental health how would you say that you treat the competitive environment does it help you channel your thought processes like you know can you shut it out or do you feel like it's sometimes can be the catalyst to sort of have negative mental health sure like i think and this isn't to discount any other career but in professional sport and anything where there's it's really high stakes a lot on the line and a lot comes down to to very specific moments you find you have very big highs and equally big lows um on the other side of it i think any any career that that 
gives you those highs has to have something to counter it on the other side. Uh, I don't think you ever get one without the other. And so, like thinking back over the past few years, you see, you, you have your moments at races where they go well and it's fantastic. You have the races that go bad, it's terrible. And then you have the in-between moments where yeah, day to day you might have a, a good period of training for three weeks and then you might pick up an injury and your your whole program is having to get adapted and you're missing training sessions and feeling like you're getting behind and often in direct competition with somebody else. And there's a lot of comparison going on behind the scenes as well. And it, it is a... a it is sometimes an environment that can be a a cocktail for for stress and pressure and 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 challenges in that particular regard and so yeah like throughout my sporting career it's tough to to pinpoint a 6 month period where i could say yeah i was great for the entire thing there's often been those moments where or in sometimes they're not even passing moments it could be a 2 3 month period where you're just some things aren't clicking for you and when you are in something where all of your time and energy is being channeled into one thing, if that one thing is not going well, it's very, very hard to detach yourself from that and detach your self-worth and your confidence and general well-being away from that thing. And so I think that that hyper-focus that people sometimes praise athletes for can sometimes be their own hindrance in some regards in terms of in terms of mental health and i've i've i suppose my relationship with it has changed throughout my career right now like i, re- I very much see it as something you need to train in the same way that you would train your physical health and that's through making sure that the system that you're working within within the sporting world is something that um is supporting it so you'd do an exercise regime to stay fit. You'd get fresh air. You would eat healthily. For There's some overlap, but with, with mental health, it's a lot about making sure you've got a community around you and spaces to talk and things like that. And um, I, I think only later on in my career did I start to actually look at it so objectively and maybe get a bit more of a handle on it because it's one of those things that if you are completely just going with the wind and sailing along with the with the patterns that you'd normally go with when you're in your in your job or in like a high pressure career it can without conscious thought it can be the first thing that you let go of being an athlete and coming from that industry i can certainly imagine how you know a bad day's training a race that hasn't gone the way you'd want it to whether that is in regards to training or actual competitions building up for whether it's the large events like the Olympics um, or smaller uh, events, <laughs> you know, having a bad day in that aspect, being purely competitive based, it must be quite hard as a feature that, you know, you deal with within your industry that, you know, doing well and performing is how, in theory, how you progress and how you earn your money. So if you're going through a bad spout, you know, I can imagine in in tandem these two objects of losing a race and having a negative outlook of, I don't know, you know, you're doing everything you can, but you just don't know why you aren't getting results. It must be, you yeah. know, almost impossible to sort of sometimes move yourself on from that situation. I'm sure you'd agree. A hundred percent. It's it's one of those things that it, if you boil it down to what it simply is, which is a bike race, it sounds like... Uh, <laughs> don't you know, say it like that. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no, but like... Uh, 
It's true. It is yeah. at the end of the day, it's a bike race. Obviously, it's something that in my profession it counts for more than what a bike race would mean to a lot of people. But if you boil it down to that, you can kind of strip away everything that goes along goes along with it. But in in the context of of what we do, it's uh it's your livelihood, it's it's your career. There's there's actually nowhere else in the world that I could do my job. Like I can't take my track cycling skills to another uh, company or country. Like I am representing the British cycling team at a sport where there's not a professional scene around it. So, you know, your whole livelihood and financial security, your future and your career is, is wrapped up in the results that you're able to put down on the track. And that's, that can be a difficult thing sometimes because it's not in your control. Like, uh, obviously your performance on the day you, you try and make sure that as much of it is as in your control as possible but taken away from that sometimes you get unlucky and you get an injury in a training session that disproportionately affects the certain exercise that is vital for your success and even like tiny things like that can snowball into having a really big impact and actually at the start of my career I didn't find the mental health side of things that challenging because you were on this upward trajectory where you felt like you were constantly improving in every training session. And um, every time you went to a race, you could put down a personal best because you were just getting all this extra support and you're on this upward trajectory. It was all exciting. It was a world of opportunity. And then you hit a point where you stop improving so quickly, you plateau and you have to get worse to get better again in terms of, building in training volume to dig yourself down into a hole so that you're able to to bounce back from it and freshen up and taper and go faster again um and that's a much more challenging proposition because you'll have a race where you go to it and you'll go out in the first round we used to we used to go to germany in the summer in between like the main race seasons when we're in our like most tired phase of training and the amount of times I got smashed out by someone <laughs> in the first round by some like child in Germany. And you just get this like, <laughs> we had this joke that like every, I mean, we, we all did. Like, we all went and we all got hammered. And it's not a nice feeling. And we used to get the, the sausage of shame, the brat verse from the van in the <laughs> middle of the track as soon as you were finished racing for the day. Brilliant. And like, you, you laugh at this stuff now, but when you're in the moment, like it's really tough yeah. to, to 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 go through those peaks and troughs. Even even if you know that you're following a process to try and get better, then later on in your career, you add in the fact that you are carrying some injuries which will never go away. You know, you you put some wear and tear into your body, and you're not um, you're not able to train to the level that you could train in the past, and it's like. How do I sustain my past performance? Not how do I try and get even faster? Because yeah. suddenly that becomes a, a more difficult prospect to try and to try and do. And um, when you get to that point, it is even harder because you feel like you're just put, pushing back the inevitable. And so you do go through this evolution in in your career, and it, it's it's it is a real challenge. And trying to come to terms with even being at the end of it, like what what's next and um, what are my opportunities beyond this? And um, I've had my whole identity wrapped up in being a cyclist for my entire career. What does it look like when I decide to to eventually move on from that? It's 
the whole journey of being an athlete is a condensed emotional roller coaster that someone might deal with over a 40 50 year period in in another career that you'll go through in seven eight years and it's uh yeah it's tough yeah <laughs> it has some great things about it but it's tough yeah and i think as you've branched on there where you talk about people who might train in their various you know sporting career what people might not appreciate is football stars basketball cricket stars cyclists olympians you are and you have been doing that for years and from a young age that there has been nothing else sort of bubbling in the background where most people are obviously like you know developing their careers going to college and things like that although you may be doing that is sort of based around your career which is obviously sport and obviously mm-hmm. the the thing about professional sport is un, much like yourself if you get to the top brilliant but I mean you must know so many people who dropped out so early on dropped out midway dropped out just just before you know Olympic processes that unfortunately and and that's the end for them you know and you must see it on a daily and it must be hard especially with professional sport to see you know how hard it is to reach that level and and like you say the people have done it from such a young age and now they may be in their 30s and thinking what what do I do now? Yeah, it's um, one of the most interesting uh, specific areas of sport to look at for that is football. So I think the statistic is something like one in 200 academy players will play a professional game, I think. I, which when you put it into perspective, like these are kids that, sure, like in the modern academy system, often they have a lot more holistic support and growth and development than they used to, where it was just, get you as good at football as possible but these are kids that believe in their heart and have throughout their entire childhood that they're going to achieve their childhood dream of being a football player and that's how their career is going to pan out and uh, a lot of the period of thinking about what's next for you um, be it where you want to go to work or if you want to go to university and that sort of between 16 and 20 year old period that a lot of people go through these guys are fully believing they're going to be a football player and only one in 200 of them actually will end up being that so you get this flood of people who at such a young age are having to contend with the fact that their projected career path or what they thought was going to happen for them is now going to change and you see them struggle with it like it's it's not as simple of a thing as just finding a new thing and just signing yourself up for a course and going for it like you you've been in a passion project for such a long time that that's what you're used to providing your motivation yeah and you can't just immediately like ignite a new passion out of nowhere and go for it so yeah you see quite a lot of people land themselves in difficult situations when um when that happens and i've been working with a group called uh switch to play who are focusing on really supporting this development outside of personal development um, and transferable skills for that that they can educate these players around how they can bring that to something new and channel it into a new passion if this does happen um and it's a great initiative and they're doing a really important job but it's like a, it's a big battle to face they're like trying to trying to ensure that um that there's this power issue and this 
it's it's actually almost sad to call it a safety net because you don't want people to feel like you know they're they're being rescued. Yeah, <laughs> no, they, like it's all gone. Like you're giving them the tools to to go onwards, but it's uh, yeah, it's uh, you you bet a lot on it. I I dropped out of university to pursue a cycling career on no guarantee whether it would happen or not. Yeah, um, and I was probably about five days off of it never happening, and. I'm so fortunate that for me it went the right way, but it could so easily have gone the other way. And at that point in time, I probably hadn't given the, the thought and attention to what I really wanted outside of sport at that particular point in time. And I don't know where I would be if that was the outcome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like in any sports person's career, there's going to be an element of luck and like how you deal with being on the wrong side of that is always a challenge yeah no matter when it hit. you know in, in regards to yourself then when you in your career had a point where you thought I, th- I think this is it I, I don't think I'm going to pursue this anymore or I think this is it for me now you know whether that be injury or training processes where you think I'm not you know performing as I think I should where was your mind yeah. at during those periods because I'm sure when we met um, we obviously first initially met discussing mental health and yeah. I knew then it sort of started from your initial feelings where you felt you wouldn't be qualifying for the Olympics or you had just qualified however yeah. COVID had just completely thrown it and you just yeah. thought I don't think I'm going to make the next Olympics now where was your mind at then? Yeah that was the moment for me so there had been a couple of moments prior like the first one was as a teenager every year i got rejected from the academy program like you applied once a year and you like even the times where i felt like i'd done enough i didn't get selected and it was like something to deal with all over again but the recent memory is the olympic postponement um and the reason that had such an impact was because uh i'd effectively had been 11 years working towards getting selected for an olympics um where i was pretty much told it was was in the pipeline to happen in March 2020 um probably about five days before the the lockdown and about six days before the Olympics were postponed and then a couple of days after the Olympics were postponed I was told basically the slate is wiped clean you know you gotta you gotta go for it all over again um you got another year we don't know what competition is going to be coming up um but we'll take the fastest team in a year's time which you know sport in many ways is the ultimate meritocracy and or it should be in terms of uh if you're the quickest team in cycling or if you're the best player in football you'll you're the one who'll get selected which is great but it's also really harsh sometimes um as i was like seeing myself on like the old older end of the scale and there were some younger younger riders coming through who looked like they'd probably be be challenging if not overtaken me within that time frame and yeah just going from that feeling of being like so in touch with something you've been working for for such a long time to suddenly it seeming like much more at that point than an uncertainty it seemed like something that I was uh, I suppose with how negative a lot of the sentiment in the world was for those few weeks around that period of time like I was very much like oh it's destined not to happen now you know (laughs) I've gone to Rio as a reserve and missed out just on a position in the team and then like 
got to the next one and then just as it looked like it was going to happen for me it had been pushed away again and and the situation seems to be lining up it might never happen um and so yeah like it was it was a crushing moment i couldn't look at my bike for two weeks i felt completely no energy at all wow. for anything yeah um that's incredible i've never felt so demotivated uh, um because it just felt like I always had it in my head that if I did everything right and like really just tried my absolute best and it would work. I just believed that. Yeah. And it just felt like suddenly something had come in and that was completely out of left field that I'd never anticipated and changed that. Um, and so part of my like own belief system around how success works in sport had completely changed. And yeah, like I say, I couldn't look at my bike for two weeks. I remember chatting with, various different people and probably had just like thinking back to some of the conversations I was having, I was so, so flat and so, so negative and people were concerned, like naturally people were concerned. Um, and it was only in that point where I was like, realized that the conversations when I did start really talking about how I was feeling in that time and in that situation, actually the more conversations I had with people about it, and listened to people, the better I felt. And yeah. that was where the men's group started when one of my old coaches, uh, Lee, who I'm still great friends with, invited me to to uh, an online Zoom group. And, and I joined that, his group in April. So just after the, just after kind of the, that two week, three week period where I was feeling really down. And just having a, a, a space to talk about that kind of thing in that group really, it really supported me to 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 start to put in some steps to look at things in a positive light and more of like an opportunity uh, than than a than a lost opportunity, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And obviously, that's that's then how we met because obviously you started running your own group there to to help others in in where their own careers and and feelings towards you know stress and like you say channeling it into something positive you know i, I find it yeah. really interesting there the psychological effects of stress and the competitive nature of your industry that you know you've you've worked towards this for 11 years and you just you can't look at your bike and i do i do find that um relatable in a strange way where you're pushed to your absolute limit and something that you do day in day out you just can't i can't do it anymore you know, without yeah. changing your outlook and your own personal opinions. So I do find that mm. really surprising because, you know, when I watched you accept your medal and mm -hmm. I'm seeing you there, you, you know, face absolutely beaming and sweating, <laughs> like going through all the motion. <laughs> you, it was warm in there. <laughs> yeah, you just look back and you just think, there was yeah. a time where I couldn't look at my bike and, and look at me now, you know, but this is, mm -hmm. I think this is how we can relate it to mental health. And certainly with the industries that are all around us, we, um, you, you know, we can see that sometimes the way that it corresponds isn't always mm -hmm. the way that it has to end, you know, and, and in your yeah. example there, that's, that's more than proven. And, you know, it sort of shows you that there is a path at the end of all of it, but the way it starts is always, it seems like the end, but really when you're at the end and you, like myself, when you sort of get yourself out of that rut, 
you you look back and mm-hmm. you sort of think it was almost the beginning if if you know what i mean in a yeah. strange way no 100 percent. i i actually almost realized in some ways in a different way to obviously in its pure sense but i was going through some kind of mourning of like it's a a lost opportunity and initially and that was how i was feeling it was going through the whole, whole kind of acceptance and yeah um anger and like every different sort of way of processing that um news uh i remember still exactly where i was when i got the news i remember the chair i was sitting in and the way i was facing in the house and when i i, I found out from a bbc news article that it was postponed and yeah like i just i had to go through that process and then but and I never thought I would say this, but genuinely, uh, when I s- stood on the podium, or like in the, and then in a few hours after, and a few days after, weeks after, I was actually grateful that I went through that experience in the end because it did learn a lot. I learned a lot about how how I work, how I kind of deal with things, and 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 how. I don't know, like the, the the lessons that it taught me had put me in a much better place to enjoy the experience as well on the positive end of things. Um, and that's always where I've, I, I love like positive psychology of like, it's not just about keeping you away from being in the, the like really struggling in the dark moments. It's also to enjoy the, the moments that you should be enjoying. And I genuinely felt like that going through that experience, um, in March, April 2020, and the crushing disappointment of that was just really a reflection of how much it meant to me and when I could really come to terms with that and accept it and actually get the opportunity in Tokyo the year and a half later. I was so, so grateful just to be there and then the fact that it went to plan and I and I had the experience I always hoped for was was just a, a huge bonus on top of it and yeah it was a fa- it was just an incredible day yeah and I, like i say it's, it is that strange topic where like you say you've almost reviewed your own mind to look at how you used to process information or bad information and mm-hmm. this is what i always think about people and certainly myself you know with my anxiety panic attacks depression starting it's never a problem that it's, I wouldn't say never gone away, because obviously the time, you know, be fine for months, but it's just, it, it was something that was never there before that I can now actually monitor, um, because it mm-hmm. was something that I was aware that I, ha- before I, I wasn't aware that I had to monitor it, you know, and, and a bit like yourself, yeah. you can almost view yourself now and say, actually, this is how I took bad news back then. But now I know that the psychological, the physical effects of when you had bad news, you knew how to notice them and probably how to combat that yeah like it's building that self-understanding and and from that self-understanding building a system for yourself in which you're supported when things are going well and when they're not going well as well so that was people I can reach out to people who know when you know the signs that people show when they're under stress and they they know not to take certain behaviors personally if you're a bit more snappy when when you're under real pressure and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely and the way you, you channel that. When you mentioned about you know finding out that you weren't going to be that you know the Olympics wasn't going ahead. On the topic of media, 
which you must mm. have dealt with and you know certainly being on tv and having interviews you you have dealt with what would you say the impacts are you know for you personally with social media the impacts that you've felt have you ever experienced online hate or is it more you've had impacts from negative articles or stuff said about you yeah i so i've been fortunate that it's not thankfully and i count myself lucky in this regard you're not um too much thrust into the public limelight in cycling and in, in track cycling anyway most of the time you know people start to pay attention to it when you're coming up to a race and you know we don't experience for example what a manchester united player has to experience after a bad touch or something like that you know in a game that leads to an opposition goal or something you see you see the kind of essays coming out to apologize to fans and stuff like that and to me that's just ridiculous um but that message aside i have had one instance where uh when i got picked for the team for rio it was a bit of a surprise like it was to the wider public it was a surprise i was picked as a reserve um I was there as a substitute to kind of fill in as many positions as possible in case one of them got injured. Whereas like the way that people from the outside see it is the people who have been at all the competitions and, you know, have had more of a track record were the ones to go. So this was me on the other end of that spectrum that I was describing when there's young people coming through. And I... I remember the, the 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 list got leaked of riders that were going, and I got uh, went on Twitter and a group of anonymous accounts whom I've ju- just been set up, but were like posting like things about me and about the decision and everything else, and um, and then there was like some other riders as well that like not necessarily in my team, but like who were riders that as a kid I'd looked up to and things like that, weighing in with their opinion negatively on it as well. And I suppose at that point in time, I was 19. Uh, I was so excited that day because it was like, I had to keep it a secret from everyone, but like my mom and dad that I was going to the Olympics. So it was like my day that I was able to share that news with people. And all of this started happening on Twitter and it was, it really ruined it. Like it did ruin that experience of that day for me. And I would say I'm quite lucky since then that I've not had to experience that. Um, We've seen negative articles about our team and our, like the wider cycling team as a result of, I don't know, like comments and scandals and things like that during the time that I've, I've been a part of the squad. Thankfully, only one in one case, like related to someone I directly worked with. But on the whole, it's like nothing's ever been directed at me since. So yeah, on, I, I would say I've generally escaped that. I would like to think if I saw things come up now, I would be more objective and able to brush it off a lot easier than when I was a 19 year old. Because um, I've been through a lot of different experiences since then. But I completely understand like if you you know, the people who are supposed to be supporting you are giving you abuse online. Um, as like, like in the football example I gave earlier, I I could completely understand how that would wear on you over time. Uh, no matter how thick-skinned and objective you try and stay about how valid that criticism is. One thing that really stood out to me in this area in the last probably couple of years was the 
the vitriol that was targeting Marcus Rashford um, when he had a bad run of form. And this was after the campaigning he had done for the free school meals yeah. uh, following COVID and the positive impact he'd had with that. He was having some bad performances on the field and the criticism was he was clearly not focused on his on-field performance because he was trying to do too much outside of football and that's why he was playing badly. And in my head, like, that is the purest argument of, like, not understanding how a sports person's mind works. Like, the worst... I've ever gone on track I've often brought things from outside of track and outside of my basic activities and training to try and feel like I'm making a positive change and making improvements and build some momentum in in like positive momentum in another way which then often comes over and and starts to cross over into what you're doing in sport as well and you start to feel that you, by finding a bit of balance and and showing yourself that you can improve at one thing again, you can improve at your sport again and pick things back up and and uh, and improve on your other side of, of things as well. And in my head, like I'm, not, I'm sure that's not the only reason why he did what he did with the campaigning for school meals because he was incredibly successful at, at achieving something in such an important space there, but. In my head, it was like, that's probably actually going to be supporting him to be performing better. It, and it's, this is performing, his performances not being at like top notch are probably nothing to do with, with that. It's probably much more the natural ebb and flow of being a sports person. So it was, it was tough to see somebody else get that message because it just is so uneducated and so far from the truth yeah i think that's what you nailed the point you know because speaking from social media that is exactly the point where people just make assumptions or just spout abuse of untrue facts untrue opinions and the problem is they're the ones that get noticed because you know you often think of reviews or anything like that it's the bad ones that you notice because that's what you want to act on so you're you're so used to in life acting on things you have to improve on but like you say with online abuse it is ridiculous because I'm sure as a professional sports person focusing all your time on sports it can be negative because obviously you're going to get mental and physical fatigue so like you say improving your personal life where you're doing something good in your personal life can actually put that spring in your step like it would anyone because even yeah. even like yourself, I think of if I've done something really good or achieved something outside of work or had a bit good bit of news, my day mm-hmm. or my week at work is five times better because of that reason. Exactly. And I'm more dedicated, I'm more refreshed. Whereas if I was just all at work, it, it's going to re- respond negatively. Whereas people, like you say, yeah. will not understand that fact. But I think that's just the takeaway from it. They just will never understand. And unfortunately people have tunnel vision in regards to that because they soon forget about the good things i mean you know as my own experience from it i i had an article about energy and the amount of hate that came from that i mean it was an article in the sun i mean looking back yeah okay it wasn't the best you know paper but you know (laughs) in regards to helping people it was just a notulent sort of interview they did with me but the amount of online hate that came of helping people like it's 
I, like you're going to reach a good number of people who will have a benefit from it, but they're yeah. not going to be the people who are who are commenting. And, yeah, write that kind of exactly. Yeah. And and the biggest thing I took away from that is that unfortunately these people just are either angry or jealous or just need a voice because no one wants to listen to them. And at the end of the day, like I say, they just don't know the bare facts between it. And and even like yourself, when you read those sort of things, I started to feel a bit embarrassed of my profession and my experience when I didn't need to at whatsoever but that that just shows you that you know going back to the impacts of society we just came from an era where the phrase be kind was such a prominent one and it's almost like it's, it's been forgotten but yet those people will be the ones who reshared that article or read the article and couldn't believe the way that that she was treated but then continue to spread online abuse you know and I think that's you know especially with sports personalities it's so difficult because it can even just be about their personal life and people can get absolute absolute awful comments you know said about them and like you say in regards to Marcus Rashford did all that brilliant work and he had that mural just defaced for just not playing well at football I mean it's it's a sport that obviously he earns money from but if people understand sport, sometimes that is the way that it goes. The thing that people love about it is it's a human thing. You know, the people that are doing it are proving yeah. what humans can do. Yeah. So, but at the core, they're humans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if everyone literally went out and say it was Formula One cars, but they drive themselves, there'd be no interest. It's the drivers that people still focus on. That's it. Because they they can relate to them in some way and, and understand what they're watching as being impressive and yet it flips the other way and people get so emotionally wrapped up in it that they forget that at just the right moment that they're at a keyboard ready to to send off these comments and it, no, it's exactly. sad it, and, it, and it, it i think the best advice i ever heard from it is just to see those comments as more of a reflection on the person giving them as definitely taking the meaning out of them yeah. Um, and you know, I, I saw your article. There was like, it's pretty easy to draw the link as to what their comments are saying out of them as a result of what they're saying. There. Yeah, like it's definitely. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, I'm only trying to give basic advice, but I can't. And predict, it was positive you know, as well. Yeah, and I can't predict so. everyone's homes, everyone's heating bills to reflect how best to save energy because it's much like saying how to reduce your fuel bills for your car but I don't know where you travel every day I don't know what car you have what type so how on earth can I give a general comment for everyone but like you say unfortunately it is a reflection of that person but like you say I mean sports would be boring if someone like Rashford was going out and Man United at the top of the league and they have been for the last 10 years and he scores a hat-trick every game it's not how sport yeah, in works in the exact same way yeah like yeah it's you just know. the fluidity and variety and mentality of sport that really captures people's imagination and that's a human thing at the end of the day no i totally agree well i must say anyway with with the chat that we've had it's been really interesting and i want to just thank you for your time um you know it's been great to catch up with you and um you know thank you once again for appearing on this and and chatting to me about these subjects no my pleasure mate thanks for having me on so a really interesting view there of what it's like to be in such a competitive industry really good chat with ryan there and there were so many takeaways that i 
had from that conversation, you know, I found it almost relatable that something that he did every day, like biking and cycling and racing, that he couldn't look at his bike for two weeks. I mean, I find that incredible that that is so relatable to the rest of us where if you need a break from work or a situation, you can do it for so long and then you just can't physically even look at that item anymore. Another thing I noticed, you know, you can really hear the emotion within him when he discusses missing out in Rio and then Tokyo's just round the corner and that all just gets wiped clean and you can really hear that that strain where, you know, for his whole life he's been training for the Olympics and it was just holding on a whim that it might just not happen at all. You know, it really shows his development and, and like us all, to review ourselves after these tough situations and learn from that and adapt. As always, relevant links for the episode are going to be within the episode description. There's going to be a link for Switch the Play, the change in lives in sport charity that helps sports members get back into a normal life that they weren't perhaps used to, work and stress and how to deal with that, and also sports fatigue and how to notice the signs and how to combat that that you might have. Thanks again for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed the episode. As always, get in touch on our social medias. Let us know what you thought. Let us know any opinions, thoughts you might have. And always contact if you'd like to feature within the show. It's always great to hear feedback on various episodes. So thanks again and I look forward to next week.